But I'm just going to set up a basic little introduction tonight, and then over the weeks that lie ahead, other people are going to preach, and we are really excited to preach the book of Acts. It's such an, um, a fast-moving narrative of the early church, and I always find it incredibly inspiring to uh, think about how the early church was birthed, what happened, and how quickly the good news spread. And I want to just think out of what the guys shared tonight and what Clive shared. You know, God, God is not surprised by cultures that don't like His Word. And I, I always, I'm so encouraged when I look at the life of Paul and I look at the life of the early disciples. Remember, they were in a Roman culture, which was a polytheistic culture. It was averse to anything around God's kingdom in, 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 in how Paul and the early church preached God's kingdom. They were opposed on every level. They were thrown to the lions. They were sawn in two. They were killed. And yet the word of God spread like wildfire. And it was good news to the poor. And because it was good news and people believed, the kingdom came. Amen. And I want to say to you, the gospel is still good news to the poor to every kind of poor, the poor in spirit, the poor in, in, in money, but the poor that don't know the living Christ, His Word is still good news to them. And the, the Word of God can still spread like wildfire, and we're trusting that we're going to see something of that. So uh, I want to just call this um, message this, this evening, it's going to be short, um, Acts the Sequel. And I'm saying Acts the Sequel because Acts is the sequel to the book of Luke. Right, the book of Luke and the book of Acts go together, and the Gospel of Luke and uh, Acts are two parts. And uh, in fact, in the first century of the of the of the church, there was only one complete history, one document called the Origins of Christianity that circulated amongst the earlier churches, and that was Luke and Acts together. And that was first called the Origins of Christian History. And early in the second century. The four Gospels as we know them were put together in one document and they began to circle the early churches uh, as the Gospel, and obviously that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so for the first time in the second century, Luke and Acts were separated from each other and Acts took on its own kind of life. And that was actually really important because at the same time as the Gospels were being put together in one document, there was a guy called Paul. Remember Paul? And he was writing his letters. And so the church began to collect his writings into another document that they circulated. It was simply called the writings of the apostle. And so in the first two centuries of the church, you had the gospel circulating as one document. And you had the writings of Paul called the apostle circulating amongst the early churches. And so Acts took on a really, really important role because it kind of bridged the two. Yeah. It bridged the Gospels and the letters of Paul, and it gave reference to both. It was the sequel to what the Gospels had um, said, and in a very practical way, it underpinned and demonstrated the life of Paul who wrote the letters. And so it formed the background to all the letters that we read. The book of Acts is slap bang in the middle. And it's a, it became such a vital part of the early church. And so also just a... As a little digression, an interesting, I think, very interesting digression. 
In the second century, the book of Acts also took on an apologetic kind of role because I've spoken before of the Gnostics. The Gnostics were around in the first couple of centuries up until the fourth century, and the Gnostics were Christians who had incorrect ideas often about who Jesus was, about who God was, and how Jesus was he fully God? Was he fully man? And all these things were debated. And one of the Gnostic philosophers was a guy called Marcion. And in about uh, AD 144, he went to Rome and he said he wanted to promulgate what was, he said was the true canon, canon of, of Scripture. And what he meant by that was this. He was a, he was a disciple of Paul. And he followed Paul as passionately, but unfortunately misunderstood Paul's teaching, and he said that Jesus was a completely new God, that uh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of the Old Testament, was vindictive and cruel, and he was not the God that Jesus was. Jesus was completely a new God that we have never seen before in the history of the world, and that the God of the Old Testament was a lesser God, and uh, this is where Greek thinking came in, because the Greeks believed that Sorry, Greeks, I always apologize to the Greeks. But Greek philosophy taught this, that the, the pure God, the highest God, was far removed from us, and out of Him came various emanations. Lesser and lesser gods flowed out of the great creative being. And the, the least of these was a guy called the Demiurge. And the Demiurge created the world. And that was the God of the Old Testament. And so this is what Marcion thought, right? So he went to Rome and he said, no, the only person that we can have in the Scripture is Paul, because Paul is the only one that understood who Jesus is, and the Old Testament has got no relevance to us, and all the other apostles that um, come from a Jewish background also don't know what they're talking about, and it's amazing how some people are the only ones who know what they're talking about, right? So Marcion was that guy. Everyone else is wrong. Everyone else is wrong. All that's gone before us is wrong. And the only revelation that is true to us is Jesus. And so what it did was force the early church to speak about what they believed in terms of who Jesus was and his revelation to us. And so it started to form the basic canon of Scripture that we have right now. And so the church opposed Marcion, and he um, was excommunicated. And the Orthodox Church, from that point on, began to formulate the Scripture as they talked about who Jesus was, who God the Father was, and has, who the Holy Spirit was. All right? So it's very important also from that point of view because Acts demonstrated in real detail the life of Paul. And so Marcion was talking about the life of Paul. And so they were able to say, well, let's check it out. What does the book of Acts say? And they were able to reference the book of Acts as a documentary evidence of what Paul did and how he lived and what, where he went. So I, that's an, uh, for me, is an amazing, amazing uh, thought. And so let's begin to look at the sequel, and I'm going to be 10 minutes. So if you are in your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 1, and we're going to look at the first five verses, and I've got three simple points. Luke says this, in my former book, Theophilus, Theophilus was um, a person of some standing. We don't know who he was, but both Luke and Acts are addressed to him. And he says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote down about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days 
and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you heard me speaking about, for John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we are anticipating the celebration of Pentecost next week where the Holy Spirit was poured out in a tangible way upon the early church. And so the first simple point that uh, Luke is making here is that Christian faith, and we say it as a kind of teasing thing in our staff, it's all about Jesus. Remember, this is all about Jesus. And so when we get together on Tuesday and we pray as a staff, we always say, remember, it's all about Jesus, and we joke around the office. It's all about Jesus. What are you doing today? Well, it's all about Jesus, and that's how we remind ourselves that this really is all about Jesus, isn't it? And that's what Luke says. It's about what Jesus did and what he began to teach, and so Jesus is announced at the beginning of Acts as a living Lord, a powerful reality. He's announced as someone who can be known, someone who can be loved, someone who can be followed, someone that we can continue to work with in our world. Isn't that a powerful thing to understand, that we get to co-labor with Christ? And he's announced in that way in, in Acts chapter 1. And so we should really think about this book. It's not so much as the Acts of the Apostles, but the Acts of Jesus, which can continue. The Acts of Jesus continue, and we are part of that. We partner with Him by the power of His Spirit. And so Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is... Um, the Holy Spirit is given to us by Jesus, Acts 2.23. Jesus is the head of the church, and so in a real, real way, the book of Acts is all about Jesus and what He continued to do right now and what He continues to do right now from His position at the right hand of the Father, seated in, in all glory. He is still doing things, and we are still part of that, and the church is still being built, and people are still being saved and set free and delivered and renewed. And Jesus is still busy with His church. What a beautiful, glorious thought. And so, in a, in a really real way, the church is not led by men and women. It's led by Jesus. Yes, it's led by Him. And we ultimately only serve Him truly when we cooperate with what He is doing in the world and get on board with what He is doing, we truly start to serve Him then and not our own lives and our own agendas and our own ambitions. Amen? So it really is all about Jesus. And it's also about how Jesus continues to lead. Luke says two things. It's about what Jesus did. And Jesus did a lot of stuff. He healed the sick. He cleansed the temple. He cast out demons. And the Gospels are full of the stories about what Jesus did in terms of demonstrating his acts. But he also taught a lot. He taught a lot. He taught about his disciples about the kingdom. He taught, he taught them about how they should live um, and about how we relate to God, most importantly, as our Father. They'd never heard that God was their Father in that way before. And so Jesus did a lot of things, but he also did a lot of teaching to instruct and help his disciples truly to see what his kingdom was about. And so I want to say to you this, this evening that Jesus still leads the church today in the same way. He does things. He does a lot of stuff through His people, and through His people who preach, people are saved and set free and healed and delivered, and He still sends out His Word, and He still pours out His Spirit, and he explains what He is doing by His Spirit through His Word, so we don't get confused. 
And all that he does by his spirit, we can check out in his word and know, yes, this is what God does. We can see it. This is what he did in the early church. And everything is referenced back to his word. And his spirit confirms always what his word has told us he's going to do. And so he pours out his his spirit. He explains. He saves. He forgives. He confirms his word with signs and wonders. And he leads us into godliness. And so I want to say to you, we can't have his only have his word and not his actions. We can't just have his word without his deeds. That leads to dryness. That leads to intellectualism. It leads to a stiff church with no power. Yes? But we also can't have all of his acts without his word because that gets weird. It gets confusing. And ultimately, it leads to deception, doesn't it? We need his word all the time to reference back and say, God, is this what you're doing? Yeah, so we need both. And we talk in our church about His Word and His Spirit. That's what we want. We want the, those things held in tension, fully preach the Word and fully demonstrate by the power of His Spirit what He is doing. Sorry, I'm, I see in the light there's little flickers of spittle going out. I'm sorry for you in the front here. And we get to be ongoing part of the story of Jesus. There's not really an end to the book of Acts. It's really the beginning, and we get to continue to enjoy the story of Jesus, and we are part of it. That's the first thing I want to say. It's all about Jesus. It's all about what he's doing through his church. We get to be a part of it. That's the first thing that Luke wants us to understand. Secondly, do you notice in verse 3, he points and says that ultimately everything is based on the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he ate with them. And he appeared to them and he talked with them and he discussed things with them. And he, he, he was like the old Jesus, but just in a glorified body. And they knew it was him. And it says he appeared over 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Everything hinges on the resurrection of Jesus, the power of what God did in Jesus Christ. And at that point, his transformed, living, resurrected body is birthing the new creation, the new thing in the church. Do you realize that? It was his glorified body. It was him in his glorified form birthing the church and giving instruction and saying, this is what I'm going to do through my church. And so the beginning of God's new creation, and ultimately what does the Bible say? Jesus is making all things new. And the beginning of making all things new was, made, was started when Jesus in his resurrected, glorified body began to appear to his disciples and tell them and encourage them and say, this is what I'm doing by my spirit. That was the beginning. And we are part of that. We are part of the new creation, the new man in Christ Jesus. Come on. This is the good news. This is the gospel. And so I am trying also to control myself that I don't get too loud but I still want to be passionate, so if I'm too loud, you can maybe move around the building as well. Hey, No, I'm just teasing. And so God's kingdom begins to be seen here in Jesus. The kingdom that is coming fully one day has been birthed in the new creation in Jesus, in his resurrected body. The whole process has begun there, and we are part of that new revolution, that new creation that is going to transform the new, and we're going to see ultimately one day the new heavens and the new earth, but we get to be part of it right now. It's such good news. If it wasn't that, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we would be celebrating the sad end and the 
nice memory of a failed teacher and someone who tried to be Messiah. If he didn't rise from the dead, you and I have zip. We don't have any good news for anyone. But he did rise, and he is alive, and that changes everything. Amen? And thirdly, Luke wants us to understand about the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, on one occasion, when he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, for which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to learn a lot about the Holy Spirit as we go journey through the book of Acts, as, as the story unfolds. But right here at the beginning, Luke wants us to understand that it's the Holy Spirit who is present as Jesus teaches them about what is to come. And they're, what they're about to discover and experience through the powerful reality of the Holy Spirit in their own lives, right at the beginning, Luke wants us to understand that Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is with you right now. And so uh, Luke points them back to the beginning of Jesus' own ministry when the John the Baptizer called people of Israel to baptism and r repentance. Do you remember that? And he uses the image of ba baptism. And he says it's going to be much like that in this day, that these days that lie ahead, but it's going to be much more than that. You're not going to be just plunged into water. You're going to be plunged into the Holy Spirit. He's going to, he's going to be all over you. He's going to transform you completely. And you that were nervous and cowering and scared and lacking courage are going to be transformed into bold witnesses. What did Clive read from Acts chapter 2? That all happens by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not just going to be about the people of Israel being restored. It's going to be about all people. Yes? And I was just thinking about this again. When, when uh, it's quoted and says, I will pour out my spirit. He quotes um, Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, men and women. Come on. All of us, ladies, you get the full douse of the Holy Spirit upon you as well, don't you? Slave, free, Greek, Jew, man, woman, children, young people, old people, boom! The Holy Spirit comes upon all of us in power. We are transformed. We get to cooperate with Jesus, and we get to live this amazing adventure with Him. And that's what the promise is. It's for all people. Whatever your background, whatever your, whether you're male or female, young or poor, the Holy Spirit is this gift to you who baptizes all of us with power and says, come, let's go on a, a journey together and an adventure together. And we celebrate that this is coming not just for the people of Israel, but for the whole restored new creation, new humanity that has been birthed in Jesus. And ultimately, God is going to come back as the king of the whole universe. And we get to be part of that. That's what the book of Acts is about. At the heart of this book, God is doing a whole new thing in the world, and we get to see the story unfold, and we get to be part of it. Amen. And finally, God, uh, Jesus tells his disciples to do what we did tonight a little bit in the worship. He says, don't just rush ahead. Wait. Wait for me. Wait for my spirit. Wait for my voice. And you will know when it comes. And when it comes, you act. But you wait. Don't rush ahead of me. And I, I have to say, far too often in God's church, even today, many people blunder ahead, assuming just because they know a little about Jesus and they know a little bit about his kingdom, they can go off and initiate anything, and it's guaranteed success if they do it in his name. 
It doesn't work like that. <laughs> God says, wait. Hear from me. Then my spirit come upon you. And when he has come and you have heard, then go boldly and do what he's called you to do. But don't just blunder ahead thinking you can do anything because that's not going to guarantee success. The only thing that guarantees success in the kingdom is that Jesus is the source of our power by the power of his spirit. And we will only have success as we ask, as we are patient, and we wait, and we let him lead. And as he leads us forward, we are guaranteed to do what he's called us to do. Amen? And we're guaranteed to see the kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.